two, one. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Full Court Press, episode three. I'm uh, joined today by Ethan, Jonathan, and Court. How's it going today, guys? Pretty good, my man. Pretty good. It's going good. Going great. Good to hear. So uh, today and the past few days, there's been a lot of stuff going on in the whole NBA world from the East and West All-Star Reserves to some pretty big names being moved around or the possibility of a big name being moved around in a trade. The trade deadline's next week, so there could be more coming. And uh, we'll get into it with the East and West All-Star Reserves. Your uh, East Reserves this year are Blake Griffin, Bradley Beal, Kyle Lowry, Chris Middleton, Ben Simmons, Nikola Vucevic, and Victor Oladipo. Before we get to the West Reserves, though, if you guys haven't heard, Victor Oladipo suffered a season-ending injury to his knee. And I believe, Court, you said the uh, possibilities of replacements for him are between Jimmy Butler and uh, D'Angelo Russell. Yep, that is true. All righty. So uh, I guess we'll start with you, Jonathan. Who do you think are those two deserves it more than uh, the other? Uh, Jimmy Butler, he's had a great season, but personally, I think that uh, D'Lo has been kind of overlooked because he's having a great season, and he's really turning that team around along with Dinwiddie. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. I think Jimmy Butler is playing pretty good. I think the de- you just look at the two different teams, though, and like you said, D'Angelo Russell's got Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy Butler's got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons around him. Yeah, and they were struggling a little bit towards the beginning of his tenure there. Yeah, um, I, I think I would just give it to D'Angelo Russell. I mean, Jimmy Butler as the NBA, if they're gonna, if they're gonna be picking it, I'd just be like, uh, yeah, now you given two teams. And many players too much stress this season. You're not playing in the All-Star game, buddy. Yo, <laughs> I think we have to time this out. I think they just posted the official list just now. On NBA, what do you mean? NBA on TNT, they just posted like 38 minutes ago. And the list is Giannis, Joel, Kyrie, Kawhi, Kemba, Beal, Griffin, Lowry, Middleton, Oladipo, Simmons. And then for the West, James, Curry, Durant, George, Harden, Aldridge, Davis, Jokic, Lillard, Thompson, Towns. Okay. We already had that list, though. Yeah, we already had that. I didn't see Vucevic. I I don't see Vucevic. Hmm. No Vucevic? No Vucevic. Hmm. I see, but I see on NBA TV, I see Vucevic. On NBA, on TNT, I don't see Vucevic. Who's he replaced with? Is he hurt? No, I don't think he's hurt, Hmm. because you said Oladipo was in on the NBA on TNT. Oh, maybe he replaced Oladipo. No, no, Oladipo. From what I saw. Oh, never Oladipo. mind. My bad. It cut out. It cut out the bottom. Westbrook and Vucevic. That's my yeah. bad. That's my bad. Okay. All righty. Well, besides the fact of that, Court, who do you think deserves it more, um, Jimmy Butler or D'Angelo Russell? All feelings aside for Jimmy Butler, I still have to give it to uh, D'Angelo Russell. I mean, he's really proven that he is a 
all-star level player and he's extremely young and he's able to carry that Brooklyn Nets team outside of Dinwiddie and Jared Allen really has nobody else. Yeah, because his other big play – well, not playmaker, but I believe he was their second top scorer. Um, Karis LeVert's still out with an injury. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that team's got actually – in a long time, they actually have some upside to them that they might turn into a pretty decent squad here within yeah, the it's next like, few years. It's mm-hmm. like D'Angelo Russell's been able to carry him to the sixth seed. Uh, I believe that's where they're at right now. I think the Nets have done a great job even though they trade away a lot of their key picks. Yeah. They're really bouncing or, back from that. Post- yeah, well, look at it this way, too. <laughs> They're past those years now, so they mm-hmm. have their picks back. Yeah. Uh, I think they don't have their pick this year, but next year it'll start. They'll start I think, keeping them. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, What's your thoughts on the whole situation, Ethan? You think uh, D'Angelo Russell or Jimmy Butler well, deserves more? I'm looking at the stats right now, and I'm looking at the per 36 minutes. And just based on stats, it looks like D'Angelo Russell easily should be in over him. And then just thinking of the recent games, D'Angelo Russell's been on fire while Jimmy Butler's been kind of hidden behind Simmons and Embiid. Yeah. So my vote would definitely have to go to D'Angelo Russell. All righty. Well, I think uh, that's a pretty – a pretty even consensus there that we all believe D'Angelo Russell deserves it, which I think that just goes to show that we should all just replace anybody on the first take or any any episode on ESPN because we clearly all know what we're talking about. Well, obviously. (laughs) But, so, let's go to the West Reserves now. Even though Ethan already listed them off, you said them at supersonic speeds. So let me let me re-say them. You have Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, Clay Thompson, Lamarcus Aldridge, Nikola Jokic, and Carl Anthony Towns. First of all, the fact that Anthony Davis is a reserve is hilarious. With the season yeah. he's having, you're right. Yeah, that that sticks out to me a lot. I think. Uh, I think he for sure should be starting. Who do you think he should replace out of those five starters? Well, what did you say the five starters were again? Uh, Stephen Curry, James Harden, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Paul George. Kevin Durant. Hmm. I don't know how good of a season Paul George has been having. Paul George has increased every single stat this year while maintaining his blocks blocks, decreasing his turnovers mm-hmm. while shooting at a better percentage and more shots. This season, yeah, yes. the Oklahoma City Thunder are Paul George's team. Yeah. That's why I say AD replaces Kevin Durant over him, On- is because we have high expectations for the Warriors. They're not succeeding or meeting them currently, I believe. Well, they are on Kevin a Durant pretty big winning streak right now. Star there. Yeah, they're now just picking it up. But at the beginning of the season, when Curry was out and all that stuff, Kevin yeah. Durant was not carrying that team. I think Paul the fan George, vote had a big say in that. Yeah, it, it's just the fan vote. Paul George went, and he's pretty much put Russell Westbrook on his shoulders mm-hmm. and that entire team because Russell Westbrook, like maybe you look at him and you're like, oh, yeah, he put up 22-12. and 12. Well, yeah, the dude shot three for 37. Like, you can't win with that. 
Paul George has been carrying him, and if I was him, I'd be regretting signing that big old contract extension right now. Honest, but if Harden and Giannis weren't having such a good season, I think Paul George could win the MVP very easily. Hmm. Yeah, he's kind of my dark horse candidate. Like I'm looking at his, really looking at his stats right now, and it's actually crazy what he's doing right now. What about his defense? Because I know he's a on top for defensive player of the year. He got he's an amazing defender. He got two and a half steals. Yeah, that's really good. His defense rating's pretty high too. Yeah. Everybody's so high on Kawhi Leonard's defense. I'm like, have you guys forgotten about Paul George? Yeah. The well, dude's an all around player. And he surprisingly, especially after that horrendous injury he had. Yeah. The dude's getting better. Like, I'm a big Paul George fan. Um, he was the whole entire reason I liked the Indiana Pacers. And everybody always dirted on him and dirted on him and dirted on him. They're like, yeah, he's good, but he's not that good. He's not a superstar. Well, he can't do this. The guy's always been a consistent. He's a 3 and D guy times 10. The dude's an amazing defender. The guy can score at his own will. He's got a good free throw, and he's six nine, and he can play almost any position. Yeah, and honestly, after that injury, I had high hopes of him coming back and being the same player he was. But I did not expect him to be getting better as he aged. I didn't think he was that high of high skilled of a player to be getting better as he's starting to, in quotes, decline. Oh, he's not declining. He's just entering his prime. That's that's a late prime age, though, for a player of his caliber. Well, usually the player's best years are like 27 to 29. And 28, he's, this is the best season of his career. I mm-hmm. can only see him – I can see him maintaining this these stats a little better, a little less, till around 31 till he starts to go back to the 2015-2016 um, Paul George. Yeah, which is still a good player. That's still so. an all-star player, but yeah. not MVP candidate Paul George. Yeah. No, he's uh that's a a player that you can have on a team that's gonna lead you to the playoffs and you'll be a probably between a four to a six seed, but he's not a player that's gonna lead you to a championship. Which not everybody can be, but he's still a great player. I think he could be that player if they surrounded him with the right pieces. With this Paul George, I think he has limitless potential right now. They have to capitalize on that. Yeah, they need to get him more players around him. That bench is horrendous. Uh, with Paul George, uh, do you think that his production would be the same if he went to the Lakers last off season? No. Yes. I think you'd see his defense stay the same, but his offensive production would be completely different because he's behind LeBron James. Obviously, you'd slide LeBron down to power forward, but still, I think like they, I just said, it's it's LeBron James. I think he's yeah. going to take away most of those shots that Paul George has. I think it'd be Paul George's shooting guard, actually. You could run him at shooting guard, too, yeah, and have could. Kuzma at the four. That's also a possibility. When I play my team or anything and I have Paul George on my team, I run him at the two. I mean, that whole, that whole Lakers team can really just be put anywhere position-wise. The thing about – Pretty much. The thing about Paul George is – He's getting these points, but he's not even taking that many shots compared to a lot of players. He only takes 20 shots a game. So seeing this stat line transition to the Lakers, I think it would 
if only get better with the passing, getting, feeding him the ball from Lonzo Ball and LeBron James. And then I'd assume if they got Paul George, they would have traded Brandon Ingram to somebody. Yeah. To get. Yeah. Well, what are his stats currently? Um, Paul George. What's his field goal percentage and what's his uh, points per game? Paul George? Yeah. 27 points per game, 40% from three and 45 from the field. Okay, so I don't see his shot percentages going down at all. Um, I think you'd see his points drop to around 19 to 21 points per game. Really? Yeah, well, between 23 and 19 points per game. I mean, if that Lakers team was completely healthy. He only takes 20 shots a game. Yeah, but those shots could possibly go down because you have LeBron James there. Like, if you look at it... There's two people on that team that take a bunch – well, even even though he's only taking 20 shots a game, there's two people on that team that take shots, Tim and Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook takes enough shots for four players. The Lakers have – you know, they got – when Rondo's healthy, he's good for six to ten shots. Lonzo's good, you know, for ten to fifteen shots. Kuzma's good for ten to fifteen Depending on the day, Brandon Ingram's good for 10 to 15. Well, look, LeBron's good for up to 30. Looking at That team, there's going to be a lot more dispersing of the ball. Looking at the stats, though, Kuzma's taking 15, and Brandon Ingram, I'm just taking you out of the equation. His 13 shots are gone. I think he definitely gets those 13 shots. Then taking into Kuzma, taking into a couple guys, I think Paul George is getting his 20 shots. Yeah. I think with LeBron on his team – yeah, I know it's not going to be much different from Westbrook, but he's definitely going to get his shots up. He's going to sure. get 20 shots. Yeah, I think he's going to still get shots up. I just don't see him maintaining a 27 points per game. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from with that. Yeah. But does anybody else have any uh, last uh, last chance comments on the uh, West and East All-Star <clears throat> Reserves? Uh, can we go back up to the East? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think it's worth noting that a lot of people talk about how the fan vote really indicates a lot about who gets in, but I'd like to talk about Vucevic, who ended up getting in, and I looked it up. He was, like, seventh in fan voting around there, and the players, I'm assuming, backed him a lot, and that's how he got up in the reserves. Same with the media. So the percentages – for each voting that they did seem to be helping out a lot for these overlooked players by the fans. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't been a huge fan of the whole fan vote thing. I think they need to find a, you know, kind of middle ground between the fan votes and what they used to have. Mm -hmm. Um, I was kind of thinking about that too. Not, not as much as you clearly have, but it's a good point because to be honest with you, if you said Nikola Vucevic, I wouldn't even think this dude's an all-star. Yeah. I haven't. Now, granted, I don't pay a bunch of attention to smaller, I guess you could say, market teams or bad teams in the NBA. I'm more of a college hoops guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the dude's a pretty much consistent walking double-double. Yeah. But what does anybody have his stats pulled up currently? I actually do. I know. Right, what, let's hear him. He's got 21 points, one block, one steal, four assists, 12 rebounds. That's solid. Let me find that, actually. I'm sorry. 52% from the field and 
37, 38 from three, which is very respectable for a big man. It is very good, especially for a guy like him who you know is an inside-the-paint presence. Yeah. Um, yeah, just from those stats right there, that guy's an all-star for me. I think it's just good to see that the fan vote isn't getting everybody in. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I predicted last year, I thought Busek was going to be an all-star and win most improved player. I guess I was off by a year, but now that he's putting up these numbers, do you think he has a case for most improved player? Uh, I don't know about that. I'm trying to think, think of who else it would be. Yeah, you kind of just sprung that upon me, too. I think he's got a case for it. He, um, he definitely deserves a top five place, in my opinion. Because he increased his rebounds by three, his points by five. His field goal percentage went up by – wow, that's a lot, like – Four percent, and then his yeah, point say that. went up by six percent. His free throws went down by f- four, but I think he's taking more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's taking more. Yeah, I uh, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, D'Lo, D'Lo has a chance. Yeah, yeah, um, I think. He's had his spurts throughout his years in the NBA, though. I think I would give it to Vucevic over um, D'Angelo Russell. Especially if he makes – if D'Lo doesn't make the all-star team. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, Does anybody else have any comments on the reserves before we move on? I actually do. I want to talk about Chris Middleton a little bit. Go ahead. Chris Middleton's a guy I have always liked. He's always been that guy that gets just gets it done. He's not a star, but he gets it done. And now he's finally getting that nod, showing that he can play with the mess of making that all-star team. Mm-hmm. And this his type of player is so rare. Now that all these guys just want to go out there and get 30 points a game, he's the guy that's going to stand on the corner and play tremendous defense and get his three-pointers and just keep the team in check. And he's the perfect piece alongside Giannis, and I think that's really what's mm-hmm. helping him. And yeah. the Bucks are really starting to find their pieces with not just Middleton. Like, Brooke Lopez was a really good pickup for them. Yeah, I agree. He's really that. changed his game for that team. Something yeah. really interesting, though, is Chris Middleton's actually having statistically a worse season than he was last year out, but he is getting five less minutes. But mm-hmm. it's, it's funny to think about that he wasn't an all-star last year. All right, well, here's a question for you guys then. Um, do you think with how he's been playing up to the All-Star break, do you think after the All-Star break we see an increase in his minutes? In Chris Middleton? Yes. I wouldn't be surprised down the stretch. Yeah. I, want. I think he'll be a guy that you'll see come up in the playoffs and have big games. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I hear Chris Middleton, and like you said, when you bring up Giannis, I think – I go back to the 2012-13 Heat, and I think of Giannis as LeBron and a mixture of Shane Battier and Ray Allen as your Chris Middleton. Giannis is going to get to the hole, and if it's not there, you kick it out to Chris Middleton, and he's going to make that shot almost every single time. I agree. Difference is he's young. He's getting into his prime, and that's the best type. That's one of those better situations when you get a player like him. Even when he starts to get older, 
if his defensive abilities still get away, he's not going to lose that three-point skill. So you still have that Kyle Korver. You know, like the only reason Kyle Korver is still in the NBA is still because he can shoot well. And the dude's like, what, 38, 40? Pretty sure he's 37. Yeah, he's old. He's getting up there. Who are you talking about? Kyle Korver. Oh, yeah, he's 37. Yeah. So I think that's those three and D people, like Joe Ingles. I think a lot of them don't get the respect they deserve because a lot of people forget that the three-point line in the NBA is further back than the NCAA and the high school and all that. A lot of those three and D guys are very good defenders. They're not just like, oh, well, yeah, I can stop him from scoring occasionally, but I shoot the ball really good. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's definitely in the top three of current NBA of what you consider three and D defenders. And I'm I'm glad to see that he's gotten his name into there as a reserve too. Joe Ingles is 31. Yeah, he came in pretty late. Was he, he in Australia he, for a while? Over yeah, yeah. Damn. I mean, you yeah. also got guys like that's Jason the same. Too. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um. All right. So let, let's move on now. We'll get to uh, a big name later. We'll start out with a, a slightly smaller name. So if – well, I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, most people that pay attention to basketball will have heard. But today, Chris Stapps Przingis sat down. He met with the Knicks front office. They were all talking. And from reports from Woj and all of them, they said that Przingis gave off kind of a disgruntled, like, I don't want to be here vibe. And I'd say about two hours, two and a half hours later, he was traded. So KP is getting shipped down to Dallas. And um, Tim Hardaway, Courtney Lee are both following him down there. And the Dallas Mavericks are trading DeAndre Jordan, Dennis Smith Jr., and Wesley Matthews to the New York Knicks with some picks. They haven't announced or said what picks yet, but there are picks involved, and we'll know at a later date. Also, at the moment, it looks like DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews will be bought out by the Knicks. Yeah. So, we'll start on that then, since you brought it up. What are your thoughts on that, Ethan? After trading on the tra- away – well, well, yeah, we'll start with the trading hole. What are your thoughts on the hole? Okay, well, the Knicks right now, it looks like – with this trade, I think they're set on Zion Williamson. It looks like he they want him bad. They're moving a forward position because they also have Knox, and they're moving to get that position and for Zion at power forward. And then they're also getting somebody who still has the potential to be an all-star. They haven't been great so far, Dennis Smith Jr. And then they're coming off a, a 7-3 guy with a knee, knee problems who cannot play a full season. So honestly, though, for the Mavericks, I think this is an act of the saving grace possibly for Porzingis' career. The Knicks wanted him as a superstar. I don't think he can do that at this point with his health. I don't think he can stay on the court long enough to be that one guy. And I think him being a number two maybe to Doncic could save his career at this point. Yeah, I think uh, I think Dallas is a good spot for him. He's got, you know, who knows, Dirk might come back next year too. But for at least the rest of the season now, he's got a top three, you know, We'll say it. some people might not like him, so we'll leave that top five power forward of all time in Dirk. 
Mm-hmm. So he's got him to learn some stuff from, which they're That's both very say. similar players. They are. And then, like you said, you got – well, you got a big three right there of Luka Doncic, Dirk Nowitzki. And Dirk, is, Dirk, Dirk is a little bit out of it right now. Well, let me get to it of what I mean by big three. When mm-hmm. I say big three, you, you have big three of Euro players. Yeah, that's it. That's they all really they all are coming from the same background, and I think they're all going to feed off of that, especially with Dirk being the age he is. I think, like you said, I don't even think because of the situation from him having to be the, the superstar that the Knicks wanted him to be, I think he's going to see a resurgence in his career and his health because he's going to have the mentoring from pretty much an older version of him. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have more pressure taken off of him. I think overall the trade itself is just good for the Mavericks because you already got Luka Doncic, who's pushing LeBron James' numbers and exceeding some of his rookie rookie year numbers. And you're going to want to get people around him as quick as you can. And I think the uh, the KP app is very good because DeAndre Jordan was gone after the season. There's no way he's resigning. Wesley Matthews is just a role player. And Dennis Smith Jr. is decent. But the Ma- I think he's got a lot of upside still. They just didn't give him his full potential. But they also have Jalen Brunson down there who's got a possibility of becoming a decent role player. Actually, mm-hmm. something I wanted to this real this is just real quick. The Mavericks were already shopping Dennis Smith Jr. and it looks like no teams were biting. I don't remember if you guys remember that rumor. And then uh, Phoenix was a little bit or Zing- but they were asking for too much, and then and they got to, they may have got too much in terms of Chris Porzingis, a superstar caliber player. I don't know if his health can warrant that superstar, just labeling him as that. But the talent is there for him in maybe short bursts of time on the court to be that superstar player. I agree. Um, Jonathan, do you have any thoughts on this whole trade? Uh, I think that Porzingis to the Mavericks is going to be pretty big for him. It's going to be a good step in his career. And I think what the Mavericks are learning from the AD situation that we're going to talk about later is that when you have a star player like Doncic, you got to start building right away. Because if you don't start building right away, then these guys aren't going to be with you very long. Yeah, I agree with that. Especially the smaller market teams like New Orleans. I'm not saying that Dallas is really a small market team, but it's just going to take a lot to keep superstars in these certain places because they want to go to places they can win instead of places that are just, I don't know, just ways that they just got to find a place that they're going to build around them and they're going to find an opportunity to get to the championship. Yeah, I I agree with that. I get what you're saying because, like you said, I mean, Dallas used to be a powerhouse. A lot of people think of the Mavericks now before the season. They're like – yeah, they're they're pretty bad. Um, but now like you said they got Luca and like you also said in theory they're going to have a hard time keeping people there. But you you get people for instance like Kevin Durant and they're like, "Oh sh- shoot, they got Luka Doncic and they got Kristaps Porzingis now. Yeah, man, that's almost a guaranteed championship." So I think with them making that move to get pay- KP is showing you know, potential star or superstar free agents that are like, all right, Dallas ain't done yet. They want to win, and they want to win now. I think I could help them. Yeah. Another thing is – It's definitely a power move, for sure. 
another thing that's just for Kristaps. Dallas, a lot of teams have trouble with those Euro guys. They are risky because they, they just think of all the times where they just haven't panned out. That is not Dallas. Dallas has always went straight for those Euro guys and Dirk. They, their fans like them. The fans are not going to come out and just straight boo them. And that this is, I think, going to be a huge confidence booster for a guy like Kristaps, knowing that he has one of the best power forwards in Dirk, who's the same, almost the same thing. Luca, another European player that's just around him, that's just going to only boost his confidence and stretch his potential even further than what may have been. Yeah, and arguably the most, like you said, the most favorable European fans. Yeah, I, I think after you saying that, that's a valid point. I don't think, I don't think it gets any better than having Dallas as a fan base if you're coming from the Euro League. So I think, I think that's gonna, like you said, gonna be a huge confidence boost for him too. After this whole conversation here, makes me think that KP. To Dallas trade is even better than what I thought it was when I first it saw it earlier. Perfect today. situation for Kristaps. I agree. I think, I think that, he's going to notice it yeah. too, and then he might. I think he might resign there for a long time. Really, I think the Luca and Porzingis duo is just going to be very dominant for the rest up until the All Star break, if they even get to plan before the All Star break. I agree because you never know how long that stuff takes. The real disappointing yeah. thing, though, is that we never got to see Kevin Knox, Kristaps. Frank, I'm sorry, what's the center's name? I can't remember. Cantor. Ennis Cantor. No, not Cantor. The Mitch Robinson, but Cantor, too. Oh, yeah. But we never got to see them all play together. We never got to see what may have been. And I think that is disappointing. But in terms of Kristaps having to carry those young guys on already a bad knee, I think it's favorable for him. But it would have been fun to see the play. Yeah, I agree. Um, does anybody else have any um, final Thoughts on the Kristaps Porzingis trade? Oh uh, yeah, I do actually. All right, go ahead, Fort. Yeah, um, I, I think that. It, when, do y'all know when Kristaps uh, is scheduled to come back? I think they're gonna hold it out probably till the end of the year. To be honest. Well, even then, if Dirk comes back for one more season, I feel like this is a very scary team because the Mavericks, in the end, in the grand scheme of things, they didn't really lose anything. I mean, they, they got a they got rid of a point guard they didn't need, and then. Wesley Matthews, which, I mean, in the end, he wasn't that big of an impact. Yeah, he's an okay time. role player. I mean, at this point, Luca's probably going to transition to more to point guard. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's going to – he's pretty much the Euro version and a younger version of LeBron in a way. Not the athleticism of where he's just going to go dunk on you and get to the rim. But the IQ. But the dominance, the IQ, and the point forward ability. I think you're going to see the ball in his hands a lot being brung up the court. Also, a Mitch Mask, a point guard. Cause he is 6'7, mm-hmm. I believe, right? 6'7? Mm-hmm. Oh. Who's this? Luca. Oh, yeah. Six. Moving Luca to point guard would be a good move. But no, so it would look like the lineup, in my opinion, would probably be due to them all being healthy, obviously. It would have to be, it would be um, Doncic, Hardaway, Barnes, Porzingis, and then at center, who do they have? I mean, I guess they. I they got Salah Mezri. Yeah, I was thinking of him, but he's not really a starting caliber. Yeah. Player. If they if Przingis like, comes back together. and Dirk still has the time to play, they cannot. He play. wants to play. Run him at power forward and run Przingis. That won't center. work. Or he, Dirk hasn't Dirk hasn't been playing as many minutes. And just the rebounding would not work. And you, you know, here's here's a thought, guys. 
what if since you know Chris Thompson isn't looking likely that he'll come back this season, you you got a center out there in the draft that is a little little iffy of a prospect, but just like Kristaps Porzingis, he's a freak of nature. Bowl, bowl. That could be interesting. That could be a very interesting. I mean, I'm just saying. So but with I, Porzingis, are we saying that they're going to win more games and they're going to fall down in the draft? I, so I like Bobo may not be there for them? It all depends on if he comes back or not. Yeah. I just don't see him coming back. I see. I don't see the risk in him coming back for them to be an eighth seed, seventh seed, and get eliminated by the Warriors or Rockets in four games. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's two situations. They're either going to be like, all right, whenever you're ready to play, we're getting you on that court. And KP's going to be like, okay, well, I want to see if this system is going to work for me and if I want to sign a contract here. Or he's going to be like, all right, I got two fellow Euro players with me. I see the potential in this team. Let's get that higher draft pick to help us out in the long run. I'm going to just sit out the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, off topic, LeBron just got announced to return this Thursday. Yeah, I saw that. Ooh, breaking news. Hmm. Yes. L.A. Braun is back. Back to the Mavs. I think what they're going to do is if Zingas plays, I think they're going to play Powell at the power forward and put Zingas in the center. Shoot, you could even put Powell at center. He's more of your rebounding type player. Either or, though, I completely forgot about him. That's a good rotation. He's a really good player. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, He's, that's he's really surfaced too. this year. Oh, his three ball fell off this year. Yikes. Dropped 13%. Wow. Ooh. Well, he's playing a lot more. Is that right? He's playing five minutes more, but he's taking the same amount of threes. Ah. Hmm. That's odd. I, I do feel like, though, the, if Porzingis does return for the playoffs and he is still the same Kristaps Porzingis, I feel like this Mavericks team, if they're the, let's say they're the seventh seed and they go up against, I don't know, or, you know, maybe they even squeeze their way up to, like, the fifth seed and the Rockets are the fourth seed. They have a – I'd say they have a high chance of making it, you know, right through the Rockets in a sweep because – and hear me out on this. Dirk Nowitzki, he's got the playoff experience. I feel like that could be the X factor in the end. I mean, he does, but at this point, I don't – he's only – At 40 years old, I don't think that's going to change much. But the experience can rub off. That's what I'm trying to get at here, like – he could tell the like he could give these guys words of advice like don't be nervous like this stuff that stuff, and ultimately make them more confident in the playoffs. I see where you're coming from. I think mm-hmm. the only situation that Dirk affects that team more in the playoffs is again go back to the 12-13 Heat, or just that Heat team in general. I think the only way you see him making a big impact on the team is if he's out on that court and he hits a big three like Ray yeah. Allen did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> That you, it's funny because you say the Rockets. Yeah, I think if they play them, they have a very good chance of beating them because Chris Stapps, if he's the player that he was before he got injured, the dude's seven three, but he doesn't play like he's seven three. Yeah, and then you got Luca, who's six seven, who you you put on James Harden, and he's going to give him a run for his money. It's not like you're going to be having a a six foot one point guard or yeah. a six foot two shooting guard on him. You're having the guy that's you know three or four inches taller than him. Mm-hmm. Or actually, maybe two or three. I forgot. I think Harden's like six five. 
Yes, but I think that's a good matchup for for the uh, the Mavericks if they get a, a lower or if they play a higher seeded team in the playoffs. Yeah, even if the Mavericks only squeeze in at the seventh seed, a team that's been outperforming a lot of people's expectations like they do every year, the Portland Trailblazers, that could be another upset because of course Portland, as we all know, infamous for not showing up in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Portland's a very good team. I love Lillard and McCollum. And yeah. uh, what seed are they sitting at right now? I think they're right at the fifth seed, maybe. Maybe lower. Yep, they're the four seed. I mean, we could, I feel the like Rockets we could at five. Oh. See, the Rockets are just – it's their fault for mm-hmm. playing. The Mavs are all the way down at 12th in the conference. They need to get I, I feel like involved in Houston. I mean, if they're 12th, I feel like they – the other scenario where they get bowl bowl, that may actually be a reality. I mean, they're still in it. They're only five games back from the eighth seed. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Who knows? KP could come back right away. Oh, my. I don't really see KP playing this year, to be completely honest. Yeah. I, I feel like if I if I were Kristaps Porzingis, I wouldn't I, – I would maybe come back for the last, like, two games of the season. Yeah, I could see that maybe. Yeah. Playing like the last couple games, like fifteen minutes a game, to see how it goes. But yeah, I don't see him playing any serious minutes this season. That is going to affect a win or not. Oh, definitely. Yeah. All right. So, uh, does anybody else got any last second thoughts on that? I think we're pretty much. Um, All right. Well, uh, we'll move on to the. I think the well, he is the biggest name that's in the trade headlines recently. That's Anthony Davis. Um, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, which would be the 30th or the 29th, he told the front office, he was like, listen, I don't have any thoughts of resigning with you guys next year, so I suggest you guys trade me now and get whatever you can. Um, Which, to be honest with you, I'm a little bit surprised that he actually said that I was expecting him to leave them in the off season, but I was expecting him to kind of just play the season out and kind of take his course from there. Um, I mean, he said he's up to do that too because I think he has an. Uh, I've gotten really confused with what his contract situation is, but I'm pretty sure he's not an. He's not a uh, unrestricted free agent this off season. Yeah, he's next season, next yeah, off season. So he he said he already said he's willing to play out the season with the Pelicans, and just get. Dr- and just get traded around draft time. Oh. It doesn't look like the Pelicans want that, though, because yeah, the, the, the game after it, they already deleted him out of the entrance video and all that stuff. I think he, he's getting moved before the trade deadline. Well, yep. definitely. Pick for the draft. Either that or they're going to lock I, him out this whole season. I actually yeah. have a theoretical trade that may – maybe it's it's a dark horse candidate, but I feel like – if they pulled the trigger, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. Well, let's hear it. The Portland Trailblazers. They've, it's already been stated by the media. They've been aggressively pursuing AD. And I feel like you put together something like, you know, maybe a bad contract to make it even out and like Evan Turner, who's still a good player. So you throw him in, you throw maybe two firsts, and then you throw in a guy like Zach Collins, somebody who's shown a lot of potential this season. I th- I don't see that happening. The only way that the Trailblazers get AD is if they give up uh, CJ McCollum. But you see, 
that that doesn't really make any sense though because like if if I'm if I'm the Pelicans I don't want a superstar player I want a lot of I want some young guys like the whole Lakers thing with Ingram yeah. Zoe and all that but Zach like, he he's only I think 22 23 I think he's yeah. got a lot of potential I'm just saying has a big yeah big... he does I don't think that's that's not a terrible hypothetical trade situation. See, the only I think in the is what you can finish. Oh, um, I think in the broad aspect of you thinking about it, that's a good trade. But if you really look at it, though, I mean, they got Jaleel Okafor down there, correct? Yeah, but I mean, he's been playing pretty good. You have Randall. You're you're really just creating yourself a logjam down there. It, is that the young player you want is another big man? I mean, if you can get the picks and him, take on uh, Alan Krabs. Um, right, Alan Krabs of the Nets. No, yeah. Who who's the guy with the bad contract? Sorry, I just went it's, blank. They've got a couple of bad contracts. They got Al Farouk Aminu and Evan Turner. Well, Al Farouk Evan Turner, serviceable player. Yeah. yeah, but Evan Turner's been actually playing fairly good this season. Yeah, Evan Turner's the bad contract. Sorry about that. Um, I don't think that's a bad trade. I definitely I, think that there's other teams that could give a lot more young players. That's what I think. Like, it's, I feel, it's not a bad trade. It's just they're good, they can easily get more. I yeah, think I like- with people knowing that Anthony Davis will most likely not resign with them – if you got offered that trade, I think I would hop on it if you got a few picks. So like you said, even though it's another big man, you get a young guy. And that that's that guy that gets you over the hump. Like, look at what the Pelicans did last year with just Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis, pretty much. You have a better player than Drew Holiday and Damian Lillard. And then you add C.J. McCollum to the mix with uh, Nurkic. I think that that's a good team. They just need that guy to get the Blazers over the hump. And who knows? That whole situation there, if that theoretically happened, AD might stay in Portland. Yeah, I feel I feel like a thing that could happen though, in the situation that gets him to Portland, is if the team that's that everybody's been thinking it's gonna get AD, the Los Angeles Lakers, if they sit too long and don't want to give up Zoe, Ingram, Kuzma, whichever combination. I feel like if they wait too long to the trade deadline, Pelicans may pull the trigger on something else like that trade that I just threw out there. The Lakers yeah. have a lot on the line with this trade deadline coming up. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like they have no idea what direction their team's going right now. And That's- if Anthony Davis is not in a Laker uniform by the end of the trade deadline, then they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, my whole take on it, once I heard AD wanted out, I automatically went right to the Lakers. This is – I actually have a trade I think that may happen. Well, let's hear it. Okay, so the Pelicans are going to give up Anthony Davis, Etwan Moore, and a second rounder. And then the Lakers are going to give up Pope, Rondo, Brandon Ingram, Ivica Zubak, two first rounders and two second rounders. The, mm. eh. I mean, you kind of destroy – if you're the Lakers, is it – in the end, is it really worth it? Because you kind of destroy your depth. Yeah. It really Especially doesn't, though. Without the back at the guard. Right now. They're, 
They're losing Paul Dewall Pope, who's not playing well. They're losing Rondo, who has not been on the court. And they're replacing Zubak with Davis for that depth down low. And then Etwan Moore, who's a great role player, is getting added to the backcourt. I don't see that happening. I think, uh, especially with Moore going in that trade, you're getting Rondo, who is still a serviceable player, but there's literally zero need for him in a Pelican unit. I don't think they're interested at all. They they don't need Rondo at all. Well, the trade is yeah. built around Ingram, Zubak, and the picks. Yeah, I don't yeah. really think. They but that's care not about, enough. I don't really think they care about Zubak either. Zubak's a good player. Um, uh, they they have said that they want Zubac. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they care about him that much, though, to take on Rondo yeah. and get rid of Moore. Yeah, if um, not, they're going to get rid of Moore if they get rid of Davis. Moore has no use to them if they get rid of Davis. Yeah, I think Moore is in that whole situation. And then because like, Love, Pope, and Rondo, their contracts expire, so they already are off the books. Yeah, I uh, I would for sure throw Caldwell Pope in that trade. With, I would not get rid of Lonzo. I would not get rid of Kuzma. Exactly. LeBron, LeBron's going to be there. If you're going to make a trade offer, throw Brandon Ingram at him. What about Josh Hart? You could throw Josh Hart. I don't think they're going to need to, though. I think this I think this trade with the picks that's going to go through, I think this trade could easily go, especially with the trades mm-hmm. we've seen for superstars recently. This but, is my uh, situation. Hmm. I think if you want Anthony Davis, you just say straight up, because you know if you could trade for him, he's going to stay in L.A. And you say, all right, listen, we want AD. We'll give you Brandon Ingram. He's your potential superstar small forward. We'll give you Josh Hart, who's going to be an above-average shooting guard. You're looking at maybe a a C.J. McCollum caliber player. We'll give you a few picks, too. They're not going to be good picks, but they're picks. Picks equal young players, which is what you guys need. And look what we did with our late first. We got Kuzma. I don't see them needing to exactly. Trade. I don't see them wanting to trade Josh Hart. Or here, I would trade him. You got Lance Stevenson. They need to go into win now mode, but they need to hold on to at least Kuzma or Alonso. But if one had to go, who would go? I would. I like Kuzma. So I, I would want to see Alonso go. But it have to be Kuzma. I think long term, Alonso has the bigger potential. If he doesn't keep getting hurt. I, I agree with that. Here's my uh, here's kind of an interesting trade scenario for me. So I think the Lakers should hold on to Lonzo, but so say in theory they're like, all right, LeBron's coming back. I want to go to the championship this year. So here's an idea for you guys. Let's throw Drew Holiday into that mix. Into this they trade. Into they this trade thing. Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis. They get in return Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and some picks. That would this work. year and years to come. That would work. Uh, I don't think cap wise that would work. I think they'd have to trade out Hart with uh, you'd Caldwell Pope. Yeah. yeah. So you could no, it still doesn't work. It's way over. Yeah. Is it? It's yeah. Like 40. Holiday's contract is. Yeah, he's got thirty mil a season. Twenty. Oh terrible. dang. I thought he was making right around 20. No. Nah. So this is what the trade is right now. It's Holiday and Davis for Pope, Rondo, Ball, Ingram, Hart, and Zubak, and it doesn't work. They'd need to give up 
probably they didn't need to give up too much. They'd be giving up their entire team. Yeah. All right. Well, disregard that then. If that was a potential trade, though, I would try and get both of them because they're both very good players. Uh, the question is, are there any other teams that could offer more young assets than the Lakers? Right. Celtics. Celtics. But uh, there's the Rose Rule issue there. Yeah, but they could just wait for the draft. Yeah. Because Kyrie's contract is expiring, right? Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. Yes, it's expiring. Um, yeah, the Celtics can give up a lot. So, in theory, we'll say we'll look at it this way. We'll say Kyrie, even though he said that he wanted to stay in Boston, goes and reunites with LeBron in L.A. somehow. So, you lose him, but you get Anthony Davis, who, which, in my opinion, if you say, hey, do you want Kyrie or Anthony Davis? I'm taking Anthony Davis 17 out of 10 times every single time. Um. But clearly, which I don't know why, I would be trying to trade him. Jason Tatum's your neck. He's excluding Giannis. Jason Tatum's going to be the next superstar small forward. I don't know why you're putting him into this little small role now that Gordon Hayward's back. Okay. You saw what he was doing last year. Trade Gordon Hayward. Start Jason Tatum. But if uh, you're the Boston Celtics and you want Anthony Davis, then give him Jason Tatum and Anthony Davis is yours. I got a potential trade now for the um, Celtics also. Let's hear it. So it'd be the Pelicans giving up Anthony Davis, Etwan Moore, and Alfred Payton. And then the Celtics would be giving up Gordon Hayward for the salary, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, the Kings pick, and then the Clippers or Grizzlies pick. That's a lot of assets that the Celtics are losing. It's Anthony Davis, man. Yeah, but I think I think if you look at it in, in the long run. Hayden and Rogier are basically the same player with the minutes they're getting. Jalen Brown has to go because they need to get rid of a young guy. And then Gordon Hayward, his salary has to go for the salaries to work. Yeah, I, I, I would do it if I was the Celtics and, and the Pelicans were okay with it. Because I think you have a very good chance of retaining Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving, Irving if he realizes that Anthony Davis is going to be a part of that team. And then that pushes Jason Tatum up into the spotlight of your starting small forward. Exactly. Um, I like that situation a lot. I don't see that happening, though, because the, the Celtics have something for Gordon Hayward. I don't know what it is, but they have something – stuck to him because they're like, oh my God, Gordon Hayward is God sent. We need to play him over Jason Tatum. I'm pretty sure they need to trade him though for the salary to work. They need to mm-hmm. and they should. They're just hindering Jason Tatum. And if anything, making so. him one of them. They're lose. hindering Gordon Hayward too, to be honest. Yeah. Because well, they're kind of ruining his career. Well, I mean, if he gets a ring, then it's you know, yeah. out, but no. Yeah, which obviously that's the reason he he went there because that's what he wants. There's no reason you go to the Celtics with that team that they have just because you want to go and play there. If you're a player yeah. like him, you're like, all right, I'm not good enough to lead a team to win a championship, but if I have somebody that's better than me and some good role players, then I got a lot to offer. Yeah. So I think – Points-wise and all that, 
it's hindering Gordon Hayward's career, but I think he's fine with it because he just wants the chance to compete for a championship. And he knows unless he takes a giant pay cut and goes to the Warriors, this is his best chance. Yeah, guys, uh, I, I just tried out a little trade that I was just thinking of in my head. And this is a really long shot, but one team that we've seen that is it in basically whenever somebody, uh, except, you know, Carmelo Anthony, gets uh, released, they're all over them, the Rockets. And I just put one in ESPN trade machine. You got Anthony Davis, Solomon Hill, and Etwan Moore for Chris Paul and Clint Capella. And, you know, maybe they throw in a couple of firsts. I don't see that working out. I don't think – I could see that happening. I don't think – Because, Pelicans... I mean, Clint Capella is a young guy. The Pelicans wouldn't want – He's only 25, I think. Yeah, Capella, uh, Capella's got some upside. No matter the what, Pelicans will never be built around. Yeah, uh, I mean, you Julio bring Paul back home, really and I'm pretty well sure right New Orleans fans would love that. I was just going to say, nobody else hinted on that either. Look at that. Everybody's like, oh, we get Clint Capella, and look, we get to help CP3 finish out his career where it all started. Hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, you throw in a little first or something, maybe a – uh, maybe two firsts. It need to be more. I would. Yeah. You'd have to throw in quite a few picks. It have the Rockets yeah. have thrown away all of it. Scary picks. thing would be though, Anthony Davis and James Harden. I don't really think it's that scary though. I mean, yeah. it's a different topic, but James Harden, James Harden's a better version of Russell Westbrook. Both of them are game killers. They need the ball in their hands, or there's zero efficiency from them. I don't. You're never gonna win anything with James Harden at at the helm of your ship. He's just he's all he wants is stats. If he would have stayed the James Harden he was last year, then you have a chance. But this year, you can clearly tell that he doesn't care. He just wants to win MVP. He said that too. He said he's gonna yeah win the MVP. So if I was if I was the Rockets, I wouldn't. I would be shopping Harden. I wouldn't even be trying to make that trade to get Anthony Davis. Well, I don't think for a business standpoint, fun. though, I wouldn't try and shop Harden because he is your franchise. Exactly, and you can't just leave. You can't just send your franchise somewhere. It's like you can do that with like a tier two player, like your backup guy in Chris Paul, who has been underperforming to say the least. And then you got Clint Capella, who's low, who is kind of one of the. He, he doesn't really. Even kind of shows up on the stand books, uh, his or uh, the stat books, his PERs a twenty four point five, which is pretty solid. But um, he's just a, a really good defensive and team player. Hey, he's a good two way. Yeah. All right. Well, does anybody else have any last thoughts on this Anthony Davis topic? I don't think so. All right. There are a lot of opportunities out there. Yeah, I That's... think. There's some intriguing ones, that's for sure. And I feel like at the end, very end yeah. of all of this, it's going to be something that we did not expect. Yeah, kind of like the Paul George situation last year. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Yeah. And like this Porzingis trade. That was yeah. very surprising to me. I, I'm still a little surprised. Okay, so uh, what else we got? I think we yeah. uh, move on to our topic on the NFL. Yeah, well, uh, well, today the rookie of the year was announced, and it was between Saquon Barkley and Baker Mayfield. 
That's every, what everybody else thought it was, and that's what it came down to. And Saquon Barkley took home the trophy, which I think 100% hands down was his. Yeah. I don't understand how some people were even trying to make a, you know, statement, I guess you could say, or saying for Baker Baker Mayfield. Like, I like Baker Mayfield. He did a lot for that Cleveland team. Yeah, turned the whole team around. But insane. Saquon Barkley's one of those once every 10, 15 years type player. The dude can catch the football. He's an athletic freak. The dude can run. Like, he's not just a one-dimensional guy like Ezekiel Elliott or anything like that. He can do everything that you want in a running back. And he's an amazing blocker for your quarterback. You you have to give him the rookie, rookie of the year. Um, mm-hmm. And that's my thoughts on it. I think both of you guys are going to agree on it with me 100%. I agree he deserved it. But there is a dark horse I wanted to talk about a little bit. And that's well, go ahead. Leonard, a middle linebacker on the Indianapolis Colts. Very quietly, he put together a rather amazing Defensive Player of the Year candidate season, getting 163 tackles, four forced fumbles, two interceptions, and seven sacks at middle linebacker. Those are some good stats. I guess I wasn't aware of those. As a rookie, he has a tremendous future, looking like a combination of Ray Lewis. And then if the sacks numbers stay up, he could be in a class of his own at middle linebacker. I can see Do they have offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year? No. Or is that not a thing? They do not. I think they should. I think think Uh, they used to, but I think they dropped it. I think it was a good I thought I remembered having offensive and defensive. I I think they dropped it just to rookie of the year. What are your uh, thoughts on the whole thing, Jonathan? Uh, I personally have no side on this. Both players are amazing. Uh, But being a local, not really much of a fan of the Browns. But Baker Mayfield, I've noticed that he's turned around this whole, whole team, this whole fan base. Like, I see it every day. When I get to my classes, everyone is all about Baker Mayfield, and they're like, it's completely different from all of the quarterbacks they've had. And I think that everyone seems to believe that they've finally found their quarterback. I agree. I agree, too. It's the it's the May train, as I've heard some people call it. Yeah. I think success-wise, if we were basing this off of success, Baker Mayfield should have won. Because it's I... a lot about, like, the MVP and the NBA – Usually, the most successful player on the most successful team yeah. gets the nod over well, that's, someone on a that's less most, significant team. That's most valuable player, though. This yeah. is rookie of the year. This is just pure skill. And like I said, your Saquon Barkley is a once in a generation type player. I think Baker has that same potential, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he didn't show that as much this year as Saquon well, Barkley did. And Saquon Barkley had a on, terrible though. offensive line. Well, Saquon was still put up amazing oh. stats. Mm-hmm. Their entire offense ran through Saquon because Eli Manning was just so unreliable. This season. yeah, Eli yeah. Manning's terrible. Odell Beckham Jr. was inconsistent and he was non-existent. I don't year. think that was necessarily well, that Beckham's really fault, though. Fault. Yeah. Well, I'm Eli just Manning saying though, but because of Eli Manning, 
Odell Beckham Jr. was non-existent this year, so he was not taking much pressure off of Barkley at all. Their offensive line was terrible. They had an okay tight end. They had no backup wide receivers. And Saquon Barkley still went out and dominated week in, week out. Well, the issue with Odell was, Eli, not only was he just not throwing down the field, he was just didn't trust his arm this year with his age. He just couldn't. When he did, it was an overthrow or an interception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I think – I'm not, like, dirt on Baker Mayfield either because I think the guy's good. And I think – now, the Brown, or the Browns don't have much of a a hard time of you considering something a success because yeah. they've been so bad for so long. I think mm-hmm. you look at this season, though, and if you want to, if you want to give it a, a a success percentage, hundred percent. I'm I'm giving it a hundred percent because you guys went out. What was it? Six games that they won. They went. They won more than zero and sixteen. I, I think it was six and nine and one. Yeah, I think they won six games, which is amazing for the Browns. And that's just the one season. It's not like they went last year and won three or four, and then this year they they doubled that. They went. From winning what was uh, it? seven and eight and one, yeah. So seven, eight, and one. They went and won seven games this year with a rookie quarterback and a bunch of new faces to that franchise. Yeah, I don't think you get any better situation than they did this year. I agree. I think I think the Browns have a very, very, very bright future behind them. I although listen, I think that the Browns, some fans may be overreacting because they haven't seen something like this in so long. They've had failed quarterback after failed quarterback, and they don't know what a true quarterback looks like. And who knows, Baker Mayfield may just be a one-hit wonder. Uh, the Browns fans have seen that before, I'm sure of it. Yeah, I, agree. Just... I can see that. I agree. The thing is, though, the Browns now have cornerstones on both sides of the ball. On offense, they have Baker. They have Nick Chubb. They have David Njoku. Chubb, Chubb is great. And then on the defense, good pickup. They have Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, who is a sleeper. Could have been a sleeper for rookie of the year. He had a tremendous. He locked up multiple number one receivers. They have Jabril Peppers. Oh yeah, it's armed and ready. And they have. I'm pretty sure they have quite a few picks this year to add to this already impressive young core. They're just going to keep adding these cornerstone players. The Browns could be the next if, if they find if that, this coach they have Kitchens. I believe his name is. If he's the right guy, uh-huh. we could really be seeing a Patriots-like dynasty coming here because I think all these players have all-pro caliber. Whether they put it together right now on the Browns and they keep adding to it is a question that's yet to be answered, but this mm-hmm. is a very interesting team for the next couple of years. Yeah, I think the Browns make the playoffs next year. Easily. We'll see. That division is going to be really tough next year. It will be. Yeah, it's going to be a good... Outside of the Bengals. The Bengals are irrelevant now. They've pretty much dropped to Brown status. That's basically Marvin Jones, though, Mr. 8-8. Eight eight. Yeah. I don't know how he still has a job. It's... We're not, I'm not even going to talk about that right now. But No, nah, he's been fired. He has a job. He did. Yeah, he's gone. He did? Yeah, he's gone. I did not see that, but that's finally... I that's... forget who they got, but they got somebody, I think, from the NCAA. Anybody's better than him. Six years too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when they had their all their good players and all that stuff, and they were all in their Back prime. Dunlap and Atkins. They yeah, were they didn't. They didn't killer. take advantage of it. 
Damn. They're kind of like the equivalent of the Memphis Grizzlies really? of the NFL. I agree. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, I think we'll leave it there. We're just a little bit over an hour. Court sadly was dropped from the call and he was not able to rejoin. But thank you guys for tuning into the podcast this week. Um, I know Ethan and Jonathan, and I'm sure Court enjoyed it as well. So we'll see you guys next time.